Gillette and this is the Tim Gillette show. I'm your host and the show is not about me even though it's my name. The show is about the influencers that are in our world and we have real conversations with real influencers. Today's guest is a real influencer. I believe she's been in the industry about 25 years. She's uh she she looks good for for, for you know she started when she was like 3 years old cuz she looks really good for her age. And uh, she's going to be sharing with us some great tips about what things she's done, the people she's known in the industry. We're probably going to figure out where we've known each other because we're trying to figure out beforehand where we knew each other from. Who knows? We'll find out in a conversation today, which is what this show is about. Our guest, Debbie Allen, all right, she is known as, all right, the expert on experts. And I'm looking forward just to having a great conversation. So let's bring her up here live and have a chat. Debbie, how are you? Hey, Tim. Great to be here on the show with you today. Uh, well, it is good to have you. And uh, I, I do got to ask, all right, where, where do you, where, where part of the country do you live in? Phoenix, Arizona. Sunny oh. and beautiful winters. <laughs> <laughs> love it. My yeah, mom was just texting me saying how cold it was right in now? Indiana. Yeah. I grew up in Indiana. It's like I couldn't handle a snowstorm again. Yeah. I, I was thinking like the snowbirds come there and like your traffic's bad for like three yes. months. Yeah, it is. But we'll share. <laughs> I have um, the first five years I did speaking, I would go out to Phoenix every summer. Why? Oh, excuse You're, me. That would make me sneeze too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's not the time to come. I know. And, you and worse. worse you come back? Come, it came at the wrong time. I know. I, I would come on my motorcycle worse than that. So I sweated the whole way there, the whole way back. <laughs> I'll come um, back in the winter. We'll yeah, have I, I got to come back in the winter time. So I got some great friends out there in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Uh, you know, Jeff Fagan. Yes. Oh, I know him very well. Yeah. He's good friends of TR Vecker, who's also yeah. a good friend. And uh, yeah. And we, you know, I think speakers come here to retire or something, you know, it's like the speaker world. We have, you know, a lot of them in this area, but uh, it's, it's good to have the choices. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, I, I have found over the past, I've been doing this, what, 12 years, and um, that I see a lot of people in Phoenix, as well as I see a lot of people in Vegas. Um, you know, and now I'm seeing a lot more of us. Like, I've been in Dallas since 1998, and I started speaking in 2009. And I see a lot of people in Dallas because it's the heart of the country. And I know a lot of people. I've know a few friends that moved here to Dallas from California in the past year or so. But uh, Phoenix, all right. I, I take it everybody out there. In the speaker world, I, I guess you probably have a really good, like, uh, uh, what, what is it, the speakers, um, oh gosh, the professional speakers group, I can't even, National Speakers Association. Speakers. Yeah, I've been a member for 25 years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I learned a lot. It was a great, uh, you know, training ground for me, of course. And if you're a professional speaker, it's where you need to be. I'm still a member. Um, but now as an expert in the speaking business, mm -hmm. I teach people to become experts who speak professionally. So I get a lot of clients actually from that. I speak at I think I spoke at every single chapter of national speakers and many across the world as well. And, and I, so, you know, speaking now is just a way to look at it as a way to get your message out. And mm -hmm. anybody that wants to get ahead now needs to position themselves as some kind of authority or expert to really stand out. Otherwise you're swimming in the sea of sameness with everybody else. Mm -hmm. That's why, that's why I started a podcast. Well, no, I started a podcast because my coach made me, I wanted to do a blog. <laughs> 
Now I think I'm quitting my blog. So the blogs are going like vlogs. They're yeah. video blogs now because we're, you know, we've been so used to watching fast stuff and media and mm -hmm. we, we want video. Now you're, you're here on uh, StreamYard and we're going live and it's like be able to be on your own studio in your home, wherever you want to be and network to the world. That yeah. that's just uh, it's amazing times we live in, actually. It is. And, uh, you know what I mean? I, I, I didn't want to get on video. I, I didn't want to do the podcast, like the audio version. I started that in 2012 and I didn't want to do that. I loved blogging to me. I would rather hide behind my screen and just put stuff up. I don't like being on camera, but they wanted to see me on camera. I don't get it. Like you're prettier on camera than I am. I don't get why they want to see this. <laughs> but see, you got used to it. Any, it's like any modality, just like any skill that you need to learn as like speaking or anything else that we do is that we're not comfortable at first, like even on video, like you, I could be in front of thousands of people, put the, put me in front of a video with that little red light. I was nervous at first. It's like another thing to learn, but I was the same way with my podcast. It's like just getting used to those conversations. And I think it's fun when you have somebody else on and um, introduce them to, to other people. I'll have to have you on my podcast as well, Tim, it's called access to experts. So you're truly the expert to be on here now. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, well, I, I, I do. I want to go back to when you started in speaking, uh, you know, Debbie, why, why did you get started in speaking? What was the story? What made you say, I'm going to be a speaker? Well, I don't think I ever said that because I didn't know you, you could make money at it. Yeah, you know, every I'm like the accidental entrepreneur, I guess. <laughs> I've never used that word, but I kind of am because anything I think I, I want to do this, but then I know I don't know anything about it. And I would just jump in and then find somebody to mentor me and help me along the way. So, you know, I started growing up um, in business in a in a family business. So I was still in high school and then I would take the school bus to my family business. And it was a car rental business um, right outside of Gary, Indiana. And it's pretty much the armpit of the world. I have to say that. <laughs> so I've been there, great place to grow up and learn lessons, but get out of there. Um, it's good. We started a car rental business because it was the number one thing. It was the number one place in the country for car thefts. So, mm. hey, if cars are being stolen, you need to rent people cars. Yeah, and, yeah. and so my dad was a car salesman for 20 some years. And then he said, hey, I'm gonna, I started this leasing company for this, this business and I think I can do my own. So we started out with five rental cars and uh, then I joined qu quickly out of high school. I never applied for a job in my life. I have never gone to a day of college. I just went right into the family business. And so my 20s, I'm running a business that grew exponentially, like so quickly. We went from five cars to 250 cars. We also formed many different businesses. Like my dad was the, the crazy entrepreneur starting a new business every six months, but he started a couple of good ones, which was the car rental and also mini storage. We were the first right outside of Chicago to do mini storage. And, you know, he had bankers telling him it's crazy. It's a fad. And kept believing it. So I, I look back and I say that was kind of one of my first mentors. My dad is like some lessons I learned, you know, in my 20s, those first 10 years of my career. Um, but I wanted to be a business owner very, very early on. And I, I think it was my independence. So I, I, I went to him at age 19. I said, I want to buy into the business. Mm -hmm. um, that was a really good decision, bought into the business. And I stayed there for 10 years until we sold all the mini storage businesses to a major company called Public Storage. Then mm -hmm. I just look for the next thing. So I call it the next chapter, Tim. Like, okay, what's the next chapter? I don't have any idea what to do. I'm not going to apply for a job. So what's out there? Um, and then my mom had a store, a retail clothing store, which is more like a hobby. And she lost money for six years. And she says, well, I'm going to move away to Florida. So why don't you buy my business? And I'm thinking, well, I don't know anything about retail, but 
sounds like a lot more fun than repossessing rental cars because you have to do it on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting Gary for gosh sake, right? Yeah. In the drug war times. I mean, it's crazy. But I, I look back and I go, you know, all that stuff I learned prepared me for uh, to buy a business I knew nothing about. I found people that um, it was a group that of my first mentors that took me under their wing. And I took that business from a hundred thousand to multi-million dollar business within the first two years. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember what my dad said, make it more than just a hobby. And that's I'm like, right. wow, you know, that's, that stayed with me forever. Mm -hmm. um, so I was in that for 15 years, building and selling retail stores. Um, that was always my model as an entrepreneur, you either need to build to sell or build to magnify. So I did both. Mm -hmm. um, then I was done with that, looking for my next chapter. And I went to one of those huge trade shows where I buy all my stuff from my store. And I said, like, why are you not training people to be successful? Like there's no seminars or anything like you just sell to them and then send them home. I said, and so my salesman said, uh, you could do that. You've had such success stories. You could be a speaker. You, you could teach that. And I'm like, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> you ever, you ever say to yourself, tell me, yeah, I can do that. And then the day yeah. comes and you're like, oh no, what is it? <laughs> Right. But yeah. then I even told the host, I was so confident. I don't know where this confidence came from, but I said, I'm going to fill the room standing room only. And when I do, I'll prove to you, you need seminars and you'll, you'll bring me back and pay me every time. You'll refer me to three other clients that'll pay me. And so he agreed. We put that in a writing and um, I filled the room standing room only. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started my speaking business. And so I never really had to try. I just kind of jumped into it. And, and um, then I found out it was a business. And then it became, you know, the top of that business. And and then you just keep reinventing like you have, Tim, like everybody just has to keep reinventing uh, true entrepreneurs. I think when they get it all dialed in, they go, yeah, that was fun. I got it all dialed in and making money. This is good. But what's next? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I, I got to tell you, yeah, that's been me. I, you know, I I worked in the auto industry as well. I mean, I worked in the auto all the way up to 2004. I sold my last auto company and. And I said I was done with automotive. And I, it's so interesting to find how many people that I meet along the way who are in the automotive industry in one way or another. Um, I was fortunate enough that my one of my car wash clients was Zig Ziglar, who said, you should be a speaker. And I'm like, me? Who wants to hear me? You know, <laughs> maybe I met you at the SEMA show. I spoke with that a few times, the big uh, big car show aftermarket. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I you know? bet that probably I'm probably seeing you there, too. You know, it's just, it's just, it's it's just, you know, bizarre. How, you know, so many of us, and I know a lot of the people who started the automotive industry and then they would leave, you know, for me, it was working on the mechanic side, but I owned dealerships and stuff like that along the way. So, yeah. So See, I would have guessed that you, you had a rock band. And then... I know everybody says that. And I tell people <laughs> I was really good in, in the 1970s. I learned the instrument of the eight track. Oh, yeah, right. Me too. I learned yeah, the, I like it. the 90s, <laughs> I learned the CD. Eight track. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm a master of of the iPod. That's just that's uh, that's my instrument. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do I do love music. I do love being around. And my first blog was called Rocker Life Coach, and I was doing things like like I, I would talk about what how a rock and roll song motivated me. And I started the blog not knowing. And I found I wrote a blog one day that everybody showed up to when I talked about a song that motivated me. So then everything became rock and roll. And eventually I just went, you know, it's just not me. I'm not, I can't play an instrument. I don't have a history in rock and roll. And, you know, one thing that Zig taught, told me young, when I was young, just be you. Quit trying to, don't, don't be Zig. Don't be, you know, Larry Wing. Don't be, you know, Scott McCain. Be right. Tim. 
And that's where I had to learn to just be me and figure it out along the way. Yeah, Scott's got the good radio voice. You know, I know. He's just off the chain. Everybody's got their own thing, right? You got to be yourself. And so I like your simple, easy marketing because you're just yourself and you magnify that that's into it. that expert world. It's like amazing things can happen because then people remember you like, oh, yeah, that's the guy that did whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have a name that's really easy to remember, Debbie Allen. And it's like Debbie Allen of fame, right? They think they're bringing the speaker and they're expecting her to come in. Um, and I always kind of make fun of that. But it's like, remember my name. So um, it, it's even then people, whatever it is that you tell, they'll tell a story or your name or how you market or uh, some kind of message that you left is what people will always remember. And, and that's simple. Even, you know, simple, easy marketing is telling your story or telling your stories of your clients. Yeah. yeah it is. So uh, and like we stumbled on that because I was trying to find a trademark because my last name's Gillette. All right. And let me tell you, put Gillette in something and find out how fast the Gillette Corporation comes after you. Not fun. They have more money than me. But anyway, I got at least like a half a percent or something. I don't know. I, I, know. I, I don't know. But uh, I did find out. That's how I found out about trademarks. Why we went after Simple Easy Marketing. You know, um, I did several different stints of what I did along the way, and it was a growing process. How many? Uh, how many different angles did you go about in the speaking industry uh, before you focused in on where you're at now, helping the experts be experts? Well, there's a lot, you know, a lot of reinventions, you know, so, you know, every, every time I get into something, I set a goal. And so mm -hmm. when I got in the speaking business, I joined National Speakers Association and it was like the top of the National Speakers Association is the certified speaking professional. And it's 5% or less of mm -hmm. professional speakers earn that designation. You have to earn it, which means you work really hard. You have to have a hundred different clients over a five-year period of time, uh, you know, a number of, a huge number of testimonials and you have to document all this. Um, so that was my goal, get my certified speaking professional. And I got that. And, and then, uh, you know, so, you know, about that time, you know, I started out in the association business, then was pretty much the highest paid speaker in the association business. So I had to reinvent myself and write another book that really fit for that. And I came out with a book called Confessions of Shameless Self-Promoters, mm -hmm. which really threw me into the keynote world, believe it or not. I was really busy keynote speaker in front of thousands of people, teaching them shameless self-promotion, including, of course, political organizations, yeah, yeah. <laughs> real estate, political, mortgage, real estate. I had a massive market. Right. And, and so that was just cooking. It was just great. And then 2008 hit crash burn. There's no business for speakers, especially the highest paid speakers. Yeah. You know, in that financial crisis was like a pandemic. It was it lasted a really long time. Like, is this ever going to go away? Um, so I reinvented myself and went internationally because, you know, in three months time, 80% of my business was international. So I just started switching my marketing up and really it was easier. I mean, talk about simple, easy marketing. It was like, I had my website up, I had my expertise. And since I had that credibility, when I was trying to, you know, go speak internationally and just say, Hey, I'm already going to be in Australia. I could speak for your group. And yeah, it was yeah. super easy because now we're getting an international expert mm -hmm. um, and they didn't have to pay the fee because I was already over there. So that's kind of how I launched the international. And I stayed three years internationally uh, the majority of the time, um, you know, in 28 countries mm -hmm. and an amazing experience, but a tiring experience. You couldn't keep up, you know, forever. A lot of travel, so, yeah. you know, the economy was starting to change again, coming back. I had to come back and reinvent myself again. And when I re reinvented myself, I shared, I wanted to teach what I had learned in during those three years, because partly I started out as a paid speaker. And then partway through that tour, I turned into a speaker who speaks and sells. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So I would go and do a workshop for one, you know, like a full day workshop and then sell a $20,000 program. And you don't have to get a lot of clients to do that. And you're going from one city to the next. Um, and, and so then I started teaching people that about 10 years ago, how to be experts who could speak and sell, you know, uh, on stages. And now, of course, it's online through yeah. webinars. Yeah, I know. I was learning the webinar and the online. I mean, the, the Blab, Blab live streaming was the huge uptick in my business because I was great at figuring out stuff online and then working the simple stuff. And I, I at the time, I did not want to be on video, but like I, I, I at the time, I think Blab within like three or four days, I, I had like 2000 followers that I didn't know. I'm like, who the hell, you know, how, how did that happen? And that's where my coach, I don't know if you know my coach is, is Craig Duswalt. Craig yeah, says, Tim, yeah, yeah. He says, Tim, all right, if who cares? It's what they want. Give them what they want. <laughs> that's true. Give them what they want. And obviously, you know, you have a great brand, a simple, yeah. easy marketing, because most people don't like marketing. I happen to love marketing. Right. I was a student of marketing. And that's, you know, how I really grew my business. So I believe you're really good at marketing and sales. You can do just about any kind of business you want, but most people just avoid it. So you have to learn it or you have to get a mentor that teaches you um, or something because it's everything is marketing is putting yourself out there. And I don't know why people, you know, come into this, this world and in, in their business world. And then they feel like, well, if I talk about myself and what my expertise is, and I talk about, I have 10 books and I do all this stuff. Um, then is that bragging? No, it's sharing your expertise, and yeah. that's what people need to hear when you market yourself. And and I don't know where people get into their heads thinking that feels braggadocious because we we base our business decisions on credibility and experts and authorities, and and that's why everything is positioned. And I remember Craig telling me, uh, I did my first book, I didn't have my picture on it, but a second book and stuff, I put my picture on it, and I'm like, I hate my picture on it, right? See, you and like yeah, it. and he yeah. said. He says, it's not, it's not about you. He says, that's, that just shows them, that shows them credibility. And I remember my early blog, I had sunglasses on. All right. So you couldn't see my eyes. And I remember when I took the glasses off and I had pictures done with my eyes, how quickly my audience grew. And there's something about the eyes and marketing. They want to know that they can trust you. The eyes yes. show them mm -hmm. and they want to know that they can see your face. So they, okay, okay. I can study this person's face and know that they're a reputable person. And yeah, that's that's marketing in, in, in a roundabout way. Right. And anytime you I think that, you know, as experts, and as we get used to our careers and being out there, we find ways to share our voice in, in a way that doesn't have to please everybody. In fact, sometimes being controversial in, in what your messaging can be very good. That's why my book Confessions of Shameless Self-Promoters was such a big hit. Um, and it also aligned me with a lot of other high level people because I interviewed like Dan Kennedy and uh, Joe Vitale and, you know, every good marketing person, Bill Glazer. And then they ended up buying all these books because they loved it. So I promoted the book to the top marketing experts to align myself to connect with them, which was a really brilliant idea, more than I even imagined at the time. So when I started doing my own live events, um, been doing those you know 15 years. I would invite those people to come and speak and they'd always come and speak for free and, and just be at my event because of the relationship that we had. Um, and that book was, um, again, I, I reinvented myself with that book because I had to get out of the retail world and mm -hmm. get into a general market. Um, and I really believe that simple, easy marketing is promoting yourself. And, and sometimes that's all you have. Cause I was 
so tired of people coming up to me and saying, I don't have much of a marketing budget. I'm like, you're your own budget. Like, what are you doing to market yourself and your business? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was just like crickets, right? Okay. I need to, I need to teach this. And because, you know, growing up as a, as an entrepreneur at such a young age, I didn't know anything but self-promotion. Yeah. And, and there's a way of doing it that I call it shameful self-promotion and also shameless, which is, you know, putting out there looking for the opportunities, but connecting your head and your heart together in a way that's very a, a beautiful art form, not yeah. braggadocious or where it turns people away. And so there really was I was teaching this to audiences and getting people on stage and seeing them just switch like within a few minutes from their mindset that they had a belief system around what was holding them back and see them switch, you know, live on stage. It was really cool to do. Um, and then I reached out to, I was on doing a lot of radio shows and then um, I sent my books out to a lot of radio shows at that time. And that's how I got on the Howard Stern show. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is, that is like, get the guest. That's not your typical radio show. Talk about nervous. <laughs> that's like, you know, I had to give, I had to coach for that because um, I had somebody else that was in the book that actually had been on that show. And I was like, okay, you're gonna have to coach me to get ready for this. Yeah. Well, well, let me ask you this with, with, with the Howard searchers, was that before he went to satellite radio or was that when he was still on terrestrial radio? Yeah, he was, he was not was uh, serious. Yeah. He was, he was still on his own show. Yeah. Yeah. And the power of that, I mean, story short is, you know, the, my coach told me you need less than five minutes or it's going to go in the wrong direction because it's all about get the guest and, you know, embarrassing you or going, you know, controversial, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and he doesn't promote books. Right. And so I, I got four and a half minutes. And, and then Howard says to me, I don't promote books. Yeah. And I said, yeah, you promote all kinds of stuff. That's like, I don't even want to talk about it now. And I, I even kind of cut him down. I cut him down. I said, you know, I, I blew up his ego and saying, you know, you're a great marketer. I saw your movie private parts yeah. and uh, it's, you know, you were keep uh, believing what you were, you were wanting to promote on radio and you kept getting fired from one job to the next, but I know you had a wife and a baby on the way and you believed in what you were standing for, whether people believe in what you do or not. Um, I respect that. And I respect that you're an amazing marketer. You're definitely a shameless self-promoter. Yeah, and, sure. and he goes, oh, yeah, because I could hear his like ego blowing up. And then I had to go, bam, I got to hit it because that's what they do. They kind of attack somebody. So I said, but Howard, here's what I don't respect is that you degrade women on your show. And then I heard like a few seconds of crickets. And yeah. then he came back like respecting me. Like I could not believe the turnaround. Yeah, and then yeah. he's like, okay, well, tell me some fun stories in your book. And then I told him a few fun stories. And then he goes, I don't promote books, but I'm going to promote this book. Everybody needs to be a little shameless. And um, then he put the book out, you know, put, said the book. And then one hour on Amazon, bestseller. Like wow. the easiest bestseller ever, really, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And then in short, four and a half minutes again, put it that way. And I kept my clothes on and professionalism intact. That was the most important thing. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and I've always, I've always studied people who have to interview. All right. For me. And I was listening to, we were driving back through, I think we were driving through the Indiana on the way to Pennsylvania. When I heard an interview of uh, that, that someone was interviewing Howard Stern and he was talking about when he went to serious radio, he had to learn to interview people because up until then his controversy sold everybody on the show. But mm -hmm. when, the, when, it, when controversy didn't matter, cause now he can say and do whatever you want. He had to learn to interview people. And I'm like, wow. All right. And he talked about how he had to study that. So that's when I learned to study interviewing people. Yeah, so true. Right. He would just, it was all just controversy, get the guest or, you know, shock jock. 
you know, yeah. that was the whole idea how it started. And then later, you know, he did that. I, I don't, I don't believe in a lot of things that he does, but, um, you know, having the opportunity to be on there, it shows the power of the media for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I also had an opportunity to call him out and he respected that because I knew that if you play it like every other interview, they're just going to attack you. Like you're too nice. You can't go on there being nice. <laughs> it's a different thing. So that's like anything you do your homework and you go, well, what's, what's the style here that I need to match. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, and, you know, when, when we study things like, you know I mean, how the world's progressed and everything um, with the pandemic, did you uh, immediately go to booking virtual speaking or, or did you, um, did you struggle with it? I was already doing uh, quite a bit of virtual because, you know, I was stopping wanting to travel as much, but I would do a kind of a hit and miss, you know, webinar when I felt like it kind of a thing. So, um, I pivoted really quickly, like, mm-hmm. okay, who can I reach out to? And I was almost like, I, I felt like I was an island by myself because, you know, as doing this, people didn't want to talk about it. It's two yeah. years, two years now. And yeah. I just spoke to a president of a national speaker chapter and he goes, it was actually New York. He said, we had 150 members and we now have 25. People just completely left the business. Wow. And I'm like, that's crazy because they only looked at the business in one way, not being an expert who speaks to sell other, you know, coaching or services or other things you can do. Um, but that was pretty shocking for one of the biggest chapters in the country, but nobody, it was kind of like a secret thing. Right. So I started reaching out to experts that I knew and some that I had met through other people. And I said, let's do a masterclass together. Let's start just educating people. We didn't sell anything. We just got on and started educating. So he would promote, they would promote them my list if I was on their show, kind of like a podcast, but more of a educational one. Um, and then I started getting clients from that. And then I started doing more online stuff and more online stuff. And now uh, this year, it'll be 95% of my business will be totally online. Um, we're taking our whole conference room here and turning it into a studio. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about that. I mean, I've been on the road. I've done all those things. It was really hard, Tim, though, to accept that because my, you know, my recognition in this business has been stages and events and international travel and and to say, you know, I can still do that, but I'm going to do it online. It, it had to, I had to go through some mindset shift on that. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it feels good now, but yeah, it, was, I, it was a weird thing at first. Like, I can't give up this. It's going to change. It's going to be different. But our world is here. Yeah. And, it, you know, I mean, some of the weird stuff from it was, it's like, I still think, I, I think I still have credits on on Southwest Airlines from flights I had to cancel. Of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have a lot of those. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, but I remember an interview I did, I interviewed Larry wing it probably when I'm on 2013 on one of my earlier shows. And I asked Larry this question. I said, Larry, I mean, do you love what you do? And he said, no, I hate what I do. And I'm like, what? And he said, yeah, my job is, is I got to get up in the morning, go to an airplane. I got to go through security. I got to get on an airplane, crowd in with a bunch of people. And, you know, he went through the whole hassle of travel. Yep. And so he said, all for that one hour talk I get to give that I enjoy. Exactly. And travel has just gotten harder and it's not it's not the same way. You know, Um, people look at my life back then and the glamorous you've been. Okay, today you're in, you know, Sydney, Australia. Tomorrow you're in Singapore. Next week you're in Dubai. I mean, my last my life was like, you know, but it was a different time then. I'm glad I've had those experiences. But now I speak to people all over the world without leaving home. I just need to look good from the waist up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did my first, I remember my first virtual speech. I took a picture because I had my suit and jacket on 
and my pajama bottoms. And I'm like, I love it. I can do this for the first time. Um, and, and actually, my first live event that I finally got back live was in November. And what I did was, is I really went in the bathroom before I came out and I put my pajamas over my clothes. And I basically, you know, I mean, I had a nice shirt on, but pajama bottoms and slippers. So I walk up into the stage and I go, oh, wait, we're not doing the Zoom thing? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, everybody thought that was pretty cute. But I was like, I wanted to play. And I just pulled over. I just pulled it over my pants. I just pulled them right back off. But like, I wanted to do that as they go, you know, oh, wait, we got to do. But I, when I had Bob Berg on, uh, I think it was last year, last May, he was on my podcast. He said to me, he said, I will never travel to speak again. Yeah. He said, well, I'm in Bob Berg's name. He probably doesn't have to. He can do virtual and say, you want me? This is how you get me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just did that. I just turned two speaking engagements down. I said, this is, um, uh, you know, if you're offering some virtual opportunities and master classes or whatever, I'd be happy to do that, but I will not be. Yeah. Not being on a plane to get to New York or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, New York's always been my reach own. a level of expertise to where people accept that. You can, yeah. and that's the cool thing about it is that as an expert, as, as um, you know, somebody that does this kind of business is you should be in a position, especially when you've had many years in this business, to pick and choose what you want to say yes and no to and mm -hmm. how you want to do it and how you want to do your business lifestyle. Because I've always said to myself, if it's not fun, I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. And that's when it was time to reinvent. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you mentioned New York. New York has always been off limits for me. I don't want to go to New York City. Um, so I, I, no, no. Before even before this. And I remember years ago saying, I mean, James Malinchek is where I learned this from. He basically said there was a place he didn't like. So he just he set a real high price to go there. So um, and I actually just I want to say just three weeks ago, turned down New York. And I'm like, no. And I mean, and they were up in the price to get me to come. And I'm like, no, not interested. Like, you know, uh, I, I think my price now is like, you want to pay me a hundred thousand dollars? I'll go. I'll put up with the BS to go for a hundred grand, <laughs> but for my regular speaker fee, no way. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, I've raised my fees. I doubled my speaking fee. Um, and even then I still pick and choose because once you learn how to do this business and make money in another way, yeah, um, yeah. you know, you have to look at that differently. Yes. Um, I, I do get the high off the stage. I like, do you in front of an audience and have that, that feeling of the audience's energy. I mean, I've always loved that. And, um, I became very good at that. And, um, but you know, we, we, I also like to learn new things and, and challenge myself, um, and taking this whole zoom to a whole nother professional le level with a, you know, an in-home studio, uh, is, is a challenge for me. And it's, ex it's exciting. And uh, there's new technology out there. And so people think that I can just hop on Zoom and I can be be doing this. No, I mean, you have to be a pro, whether you're a pro on a stage, whether you're a pro on a podcast, where you're the pro on on uh, a Zoom teaching. I mean, you have to show up as a professional. If that's is, if you decide you're going to pick the level of being an expert, mm -hmm. it's how you show up every single time. Exactly. Exactly. So. I did, yeah. Then 2020, with uh, with uh, with the with the way things were, I didn't travel as much, so I needed tax deductions. So I I, I built my studio out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Right. And, and in 2021, my cats didn't like it, so they destroyed half of it, and I had to rebuild it again. Anyway. <laughs> well, I was in I was in New York for a whole week doing networking events and a mastermind event, um, and it was in December of 2019, just be, you know before the pandemic. Oh, it was still yeah. happening, but we didn't know it yet, right? And I came back from that trip going, that was so hard. 
how can people live in this city? It is so hard to get around. The weather was terrible. And I was lost half the time and absolutely hated it. And I said, I'm done. So, you know, I was pretty done in my head before the pandemic hit. So, you know, we at first thought, okay, it's just going to be a little bump in the road and then we'll be over. Oh, just two weeks. What do you mean? Lock us down for two weeks. You crazy. Um, And now it's just out of control. Um, It's, it's beyond what they, it started to be. Um, And, but then we have to look at the positive things. That's all we can do because it's all we can control is the positive things mm-hmm. of how can you decide to do your business differently versus saying there isn't as much opportunity or this problem and this problem exists. I mean, that does you absolutely no good at all. You have to look at saying what has shifted and what are different ways that I can now challenge myself to learn and do things differently. If I take the time to learn the new skills and, and position myself differently, then it will all pay off. And I'll have the lifestyle of my dreams, being able to be anywhere I want in the world and still being connected when I want. Yeah. Well, um, you know, there's there's two questions I want to uh, finish up with because I always like to ask these ones. Number one, when I was in my early 20s, I had a boss who gave me a job advice that turned out to be life advice because it impacted my life. And that was at the time he told me to run my shift at the job like I owned the business, which caused Tim to take ownership of everything he does. Did someone give you a job advice, life advice that turned out to be something you now live your life by? Um, I mean, there's a couple, so I'm just trying to analyze that. Well, I love it when there's a couple. Don't make, make it more than just a hobby. You know, be yeah. serious about your business and, and do that. Um, I would say, you know, just reinvention, reinventing yourself. Like when it's hard. When you're just marketing, marketing, and it's just you're not getting business, um, that's time to reinvent. When the world around you changes and you can't do anything about it, it's time for you to reinvent. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, um, especially an expert entrepreneur, which is a public figure, uh, you need to reinvent on a regular basis. You need to be ahead of the curve. So you're you're kind of like the futurist. You have to be able to see into the future. And I think that, you know, I I have a I have a business. um, I'm kind of a business intuitive just because I've been in the business so long. I mean, how many people can say they, you know, 50 years in business, you know, as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy. And, and I just have an innate sense of when I see things coming or how things need to be shifted. Um, and, you know, that's a gift. And I think we have to, just, we have to pay attention to our gifts. And we also need to pay attention when it's hard or when it's not fun. Uh, you need to invest in yourself again and go uh, get some business help with your marketing in your messaging, your positioning, because it should flow. And that's my word of the year, Tim, is flow. Everything should flow in the direction that I want. The marketing pays off. The right things that you do, the funnels start flowing. And when I chose that word at the beginning of the year, it was because I felt mentally and physically exhausted. And I was tired of having to push down on the gas pedal so hard. I've been doing for so many years um, and said, just get everything in the works, create more systems and go with the flow. And um, it's working. Cool. Cool. Um, so I know that you do events. All right. And as well as I do, what, uh, what, what event are, are you still doing live? Or are you going to going to virtual and what events do you got coming up? Um, I did, uh, I was doing highly paid expert workshop. I've been doing that for 10 years mm-hmm. and I was doing that mostly live until the pandemic hit. I did one live in October, which was too soon. People are still, weird about coming out and I don't blame them, you know, 
uh, especially because not even like traveling, they're going, wait, look at all the expense of traveling there. There's, you know, if I can do a really good workshop online, I can learn the same thing. And if that's, I can find my mentor and they can work with them. So I think that it's shifted people because, you know, they don't have to travel as much because of the information that is online. Yeah. Um, so after that, I said, okay, next year, highly paid expert workshop is completely virtual. It'll be a virtual worldwide event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next one come up is March 18th and 19th. And it's, uh, you can go to highly paid expert workshop.com. Uh, see it there. It's going to be a very upscale, cool online workshop where you're coming and really doing the workshop work um, with a lot of great interaction and networking as if we created a live event without leaving home. Uh, An amazing experience and learn a lot about how to really position yourself for a lot more success. So so that one I'll always keep running. But again, it's more virtual. I do a couple smaller groups where Mm -hmm. I teach people to be speakers and sell. um, And I love those because those are very transformational. And uh, we videotape them with their presentation, videotape them with their offer. And then I, I walk through the slides and teach them exactly what to say wow. and what to do. And that's how I learned it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't puzzle piece that. You know, you have to kind of really involve yourself in learning that. Um, and speaking and selling is a different modality than being, you know, like a keynote speaker, you know, just edu- education or a trainer. It's about my goal to speak is to make an offer to get clients. So those are those are the things that I do. And then so the highly predictable workshop really teaches you how to position yourself, how to start as an expert uh, in all the steps and then all the income streams that you can create around it. Um, so it really blows you away because we actually work on the business plan here in the workshop. So you leave with a business plan. So it's very, very cool. cool. Um, and so those are the two things I think that are really transformational that I do. And I'll continue to do that work. Awesome. Awesome. So. Well, before you go, I want to know, what's the best website that they can find you at? Hey, right there, DebbieAllen.com. I like that one. Uh, So you get on there, you can find out about my mentoring programs. You can find out about my upcoming events. Click on those pages. Um, There's also a free gift on that homepage. That will help you get started on expert position. If you click on that, um, you'll get a video to walk you through the process. You'll get that um, action guide, the steps to take to build your expertise and position you. Um, and you'll get that business plan so you can get started and, and then uh, you'll be on my list and you'll, you'll get an invitation to come to that workshop that I was talking to you about as well. Cool. cool. So, uh, and, I, and I love it that you got your name.com because it's the first thing I teach people in branding. If you don't own your own name.com, you don't own your own name. So anyway. <laughs> well, I had that one since 1997. So yeah, yeah I got it before the dancer, the famous uh, fame. Before the dancer. Yeah, I, know. Uh, I had to wait till uh, another Tim Gillette gave mine up. And I finally got it from him. So anyway, right. I forgot to pay it once and I got it finally. And I, I won't give it up now. <laughs> well, before you go, Debbie, all right, I play this game with every one of my guests. I have seven envelopes in here. And inside the seven envelopes, there's questions that are this or that, kind of fun way to end it. Pick three numbers between one and seven. Three. Three. Two. Two. And seven. And seven. So you're not going to know what's in these ones, but we those are going to find these ones. Huh? Yeah, so those were the easy ones. I know. But I know. Anyway, so now what we do is we open the envelope up and I ask you the question and you may get the boy questions. You may get the girl questions, but I'm sure there's going to be some stories told in the last couple of minutes. Question number one in envelope number three is ice cream cone or snow cone? Oh, ice cream cone all the way. No doubt. I, I, like I could almost put a, an addition under that. Is it is it vanilla or chocolate? Which one's your favorite? Dairy Queen vanilla. 
simple girl. Love it. I, uh, my friend Craig Duswell, who moved here, he keeps trying to tell me about Carvel in New York. And I, like, I remember Carvel basically when I lived in New York, but very little. But Dairy Queen, I love Dairy Queen's ice yeah. cream. Well, that's, that's like a Midwest staple. Like, you know, there was nothing to do in my little town in Indiana. So it was like, everybody went to the Dairy Queen, like lines. And you would see the whole, the whole town there at Dairy Queen. That was a biggie. Yep. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. That's, we had a sound like that too. So. And I have a whole Dairy Queen story. It's quite interesting because I actually remember, like I went back there to visit a family after I'd been in Arizona, maybe 10 years or something. And then this microphone, it cracked me up. It's like, here's the microphone, right? It's a Dairy Queen and just like girls talking in the microphone and it's like a small vanilla cone or whatever it was. Right. And she's putting the whole order through and she's talking to like somebody like standing right behind her, but she's talking to the microphone. I said, Hey, give me that microphone. And so I grabbed the microphone and I was just making, who knows what I said. I don't know. It was just something funny. All my nieces were cracking up, but I guess I was destined to have the microphone. <laughs> from an early age. <laughs> so no, no, this is where Zig told me I was destined to be a speaker because I'm the guy who walked in. I walked this after 9-11 happened. This is what I did one time. I just, I'm a Christian and I felt inclined. I walked into an elevator where we were going up in a building and I just went, I turned around because I was the very first. <laughs> and I turned around and I said, you know, guys, our country's going through a lot like now. Let's take this couple moments and have a moment of silence for our country and for the people we lost at 9-11. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody come up. Thank you for doing that. Like, and I'm like, that's just something that inspired me. Powerful. And Zig said, Tim, you're willing to do stuff like that on a whim. That's why you should be a speaker. And I'm like, okay, definitely. Yeah. Um, what is number question number two? What is worse to do at your house, laundry or dishes? I don't really like either one of those, but I will do dishes because my husband's an amazing cook. Yeah. I don't cook anything. Like he hears the microwave go on, and he gets nervous. Like you put in the right time. Or I'm heating up a, a Marie Callender's pot pie. He's like, let me put that in for you. Like, you're going to mess that up, which is probably what I would do. So, um, yeah, so I'll do dishes when he, you know, I have a gourmet cook. Like, uh, no problem there. Yeah. Now, I, I hate both, but I do dishes all the time because my wife's not here half the time. So, <laughs> he, has do, he has to do his own laundry because he did mine once and I had, um, you know, different color pants and uh, a shrunken sweater. And I'm like, okay, here's the new rules. I'm doing mine and you're doing yours. Yeah. Do not touch. But yeah. All my shirts go to the cleaner. <laughs> all my pants I wash in the washer. Yeah. All my shirts cleaner. So question number three in this envelope, pancakes or waffles? <sighs> That's tough. Okay. I knew there was a hard one. Okay. My <laughs> husband, again, a gourmet cook. He has this feather light waffle mix uh, that is killer right is waffle i would have to go waffles because that's where it started right and so he will have when he has people over he'll have like four waffle machines going at the same time and they're the most they're like crispy cream donuts like melt in your mouth but yeah. they're waffles and, and he can use the same recipe on pancakes but the waffles really are amazing yeah. like you, i think people come and spend vip days with me to stay in my guest house just to get the waffles and his homemade granola right there. I mean, yeah. so that's like the bonus, yeah. you know, Hey, how about me? I worked with you all day on a strategic business plan and they're talking about, the <laughs> but it's all part of it. Yeah. For me, uh, Debbie, my, my, I, I wished I would have gotten my grandmother's, um, she made buckwheat pancakes and mm-hmm. I wished I would have got the recipe before she passed away. She would not share it with anyone. Anyway. Wow. Not even the family. Jeez. Nah. I got a pierogi, but we're, Polish. I got the pierogi recipe, but not the pancakes. There you go. Yeah. Second envelope number two. Question number one 
in your car do you listen now to podcast or music neither neither you know i'm like that well you know i will listen to audiobooks like if i'm doing like a road trip or mm -hmm. a podcast or an audiobook um but you know i'm just like you know inundated with all the noise all the time you know being on calls and and zoom and everything so when i get in my car it's quiet like nothing yeah, my office is now quiet. Like I'm quiet during the day, but I in the car I have something going on. Um, and it's interesting that like uh, I when I drove truck in the early '90s, I drove 18 wheeler, and I used to list the cassette tapes. We would go to the truck stop, you would rent the cassette tape and return it to another. Oh my god! Stop, and it was books. And I I I, I listened to books on tape while yeah, I was. Yeah, that was, I thought that was cool. awesome. Now it's yeah, it's everywhere now, right? Yeah. And yeah. you just need your phone with you for yeah, all. That's it. You can but, do audible um, on your phone, yeah. Yeah, and if I if I play music I love, like sometimes I got my I you know my um, my Pandora going. If I really rock it out with my own music, I play that. Um, but I, I tend to speed, and uh, that's not good for. You want to get a lot of tickets. <laughs> question number two: You did get the female question, and that is high heels or boots? Boots. 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 Now you know I live in Texas. What kind and that's of just what I'll do. About? Yeah, down here in Texas, we we into boots, you know. Um, and I've got I was telling somebody this morning, I got 12 pair of custom western boots wow. that I have, and it's only because I had I, I talked to Larry Winget and he told me he had a hundred. And I said, I want to beat you someday. And he said he's got some go killer boots. Yeah. yeah. So hundred. Oh my god, bragging about that. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm gonna get that far, but anyway. I don't think you need to. Yeah. Uh, question number three in this envelope at the movies, would you rather get popcorn or candy? Oh my gosh, popcorn. I'm like, I'm all drooling about, I can go see a bad movie just for the popcorn. Oh. Yeah. Give me the lounge chair now and the popcorn and I'm good. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's great. You know, it's one of my, one of my weaknesses growing up in Indiana, we had uh, the over over Redenbacher popcorn festival. And then it was like, you know, it just every, almost every night we had popcorn. Like growing up, it's a terrible thing to, you know, to teach your children to eat that, you know, you know, wreck your digestive system later in life. But I, I, you know, that's like great. Like when you have like a scary movie, like it's just like I take it fistfuls and just shoving it in my mouth. It's just like, oh, that's that's heaven. Butter and salt, you nail all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Up. yeah, heck yeah. You only live once. That's true. <laughs> Envelope number seven. Our last ten questions. I, I told you it's only nine. Believe it or not. Oh, there's a bunch. In. I thought there was like one question in each thing. This no, is it's like... three questions. Three questions per envelope. So nine questions total. So this one here has got the fun one. Now you get the boy question. Boxers or briefs? Mm, briefs. I have, yeah. I have... uh, and uh, I, I just can't go there. There's one visually, so I I got to stop on that one. <laughs> I had a gentleman on one time. We had we we went we went thirty five minutes at, over on the podcast talking about the underwear we've worn over the years, and I'm like, only I could have a business podcast and talk with another guy about his underwear. Anyway, um, you don't share that. You guys don't share that stuff. Girls talk about all those things. You know, yeah, yeah. Guys together, they don't go. Hey, tell me about your underwear. You know, what's your favorite? Like, it's just not conversations that guys talk about. So, yeah, you probably just had you open the window and he just you know, wow. Anyway, I, I love I talk to as you tell I could talk to pretty much anybody about anything. That's <laughs> just the way I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, question number two: Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Yeah, me too. Diet cherry Coke. Oh my gosh! But I know I, I can't have very much of that. So, yeah. um, but that with popcorn? Oh yeah. Let's go to the movies. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's I, well. Uh, now we know what we're doing after this today. We're going to the movies. So, 
Question number three, our last question of the day is hotel or camping? <laughs> I am not a camper, not even a glamper. Okay. It is a hotel and a nice hotel. Um, I did some really bad campy days growing up that were just horrific. That scarred me for life. So that was a really easy question. I even asked my, I even told my husband, I said, cause we have a, we have a, a, a couple friend that sold their home and bought a big camper and they're living in it and traveling all over. And it's like, well, I'm great for them. But I'm like, I just think about that. And it's like, seems horrific to me. Like, Oh my gosh, I'd have to have this little tiny closet. My closet is like the size of a bedroom. Yeah. I, I just couldn't even imagine, you know, doing that. So I said, please don't ever come up with the idea that you want to go buy a motor home or go camping. It's just, don't ever come up with that idea. Like it's never going to work ever. Uh, because when yeah. I even rent one, I go maybe for a week. Yeah. And that'd be a little stretch. Maybe, maybe it better be good. You know? But um, yeah, I'll take the higher in hotel, especially having to travel as much as I have. Like, yeah. you know, even when I met him, he would, he would buy like cheaper hotels. I'm like, no, 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 we're not staying there anymore. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like Marriott loyal and I'm like, you know, or above. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, my wife, she would rather go camping. And I say my idea of a camping trip is a four-star hotel. Yeah, I'd be working on that one for sure. Yeah, don't have to worry about bugs and yep. things crawling in there or sleeping on rocks. And oh god, I've done all that. Yeah, we, we, we grew up and we had a we had a tent. We had you know we did campers and tents. And but I remember one horrific event we took, and the tent had collapsed. The top there was like a hook where it hooked the top of it in, and that came down. It was like a cone, and the water just poured in, and we were going through this terrible rainstorm. And uh, we woke up that morning completely drenched. It was like the first day of the trip. We had brand new sleeping bags and we turned green. Our bodies were green. Our clothes were green. All the dye from the sleeping bags. <laughs> and, well, we, we remember the story, but I, I don't want to live that again. Cool. So, all right. Well, Debbie, I do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule today. Come in here and share with my audience your story, uh, a little bit about what you do and some great history on your life. I appreciate that. So uh, really, thank you so much for being a guest today. My pleasure. So fun. You did make it fun. You promised that. And it was very, very fun. And I, I think I passed the test. I answered all the questions. So <laughs> thanks, everyone. I, I look forward to you as the listeners to following me as well and uh, supporting you coming up. So thanks, Tim. And I'll have you on my show. Let's reach out and get you on my Access to Experts podcast. Cool. Cool. So to you guys, listeners, I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. All right. Please go check out Debbie, DebbieAllen.com. All right. Go get that freebie from her and check out her new events coming up, or her events that's coming up, but it's another event, but she's been doing it for years. I'm Tim Gillette, and I want to thank you all for being here. I will be back next week with another great guest. In the meantime, guys, have a great day. Bye.